Hey everybody, this is Gordon in Austin. And this is Mark in San Francisco. And this is Build Phase. Hey, what's up? Hey, is that that uh, Topo Chico? Topo Chico. Trapo. Yeah. yeah. Very nice. It is. It is. It is the one thing I drink. I go what through that again? so much of it. It's just mineral water, but it's Mexican middle, mineral water. Just and like mineral, you just mean salt? Yeah. Not a lot. But like bubbly water. It's just bubbly water. I like from, bubbly water. From Mexico. Mexico isn't like the most intuitive place to import water from, I feel like, but it's delicious. Actually, I would argue that Mexico's bottled water game is on lock. Really? Because it has to be. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. I drink a ton of this stuff. <laughs> like, like I buy it by the, like not case. They sell it on like big... It's in glass bottles, and they sell 24 at a time. And I always buy, like, a full thing of 24 at a time and just fill my fridge with them. And I do that, like, once every couple weeks, I think. And then we have, right now, we have nine cases of it (laughs) next to the fridge. (laughs) Did I see that you entered some sort of Topo Chico sweepstakes the other day? I think so. Like, I think I entered it. I'm not positive that I entered it. I, you tweeted about it. I definitely tried to enter it. I'm not sure if I succeeded in entering it. But yes, they were holding a sweepstakes to win a, quote, year's worth of Topo Chico, which is 360 bottles, which is definitely not a year's worth. It's like, there'd be a lot. It'd be a lot of Topo Chico. But I drink like four or five of them a day. So, <laughs> so two months. Yeah, I think I actually did the math. Gabe, our friend Gabe, I made a joke on Twitter about like whose year is this? Like who? Like whose year's worth is this? And Gabe tweeted Mercury. <laughs> he replied, and I did the math, and it was actually like four months. And I did the math of what that would be, and it actually came out. I was like, yeah, actually, that'd be really close to about. about somebody it. should tell them that there's 365 days in the year yeah that's the other that's thing. not even one a day yeah that's the other thing it's like how much t- that's crazy like it should at least be 365 bottles right i'm assuming it's because they only have packs of 12 so round up another 12 <laughs> come on people yeah. this is not hard yeah let's g- give us 372 that way you can celebrate on holidays double up right oh yeah treat yourself <laughs> double the chico yeah it's good stuff though i was in boston last week and they didn't have it and i really honestly kind of was at a loss for what to do i was like do i just order normal seltzer that sucks like what do i do now perrier it's a lot fancier it's not as good nothing's as good it's so good (laughs) you know what we never do on this show like Hmm. giveaways we never do our we never do our own giveaways like collins like if you call now like the first (laughs) caller Right. Yeah. It, if you're the fifth caller right now while we're right recording now, this show, I'll give you a year's worth of Topo Chico. <laughs> no takers. <laughs> okay. <laughs> do you want to do giveaways? We could probably swing something. What would we give well, away? Step one, we need something to give away. I can give away Thoughtbot stickers pretty easy. <laughs> I feel like that's low hanging fruit. Mm-hmm. I, I could get a Thoughtbot sticker in the next 20 minutes somehow. Right. Easy to come by. You need something more yeah, difficult. I, I know a guy. You want a Thoughtbot sticker? Yeah. I'll get you a Thoughtbot sticker. Yep. Yep. <laughs> they line the inside of his trench coat. Opens them up. <laughs> want some right. stickers? Right. Some startup shirts? Yo. 
Yo, you looking for stickers? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what we'd give away. Well, we need shirts. I we think it's kind of ridiculous shirts. that we've never made shirts. We should do that. We should do that. We should probably make actual build phase stickers and build phase shirts. Combo SF Giants build phase hat. Hmm. What would that look like? Dodgers colors? <laughs> a Giants hat in Dodgers colors? <laughs> but with a big Ralph on it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Only one out of three of us lives in San Francisco. <laughs> you know that, right? <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> All right. We're talking first place teams here. Ah, sorry. So sorry. Yeah, I don't know what we would give away. Like, in all seriousness, we should look at getting shirts and then maybe doing a giveaway for a few shirts. Although, if we did shirts, we'd probably do them on, like, Cotton Bureau or teespring or something that'd just be the easiest way to do that yeah not complaining those are solid shirts oh yeah i bought one of those uh get push get paid shirts Mm -hmm. i don't like wearing it out because it's embarrassing me neither i wore it i wear it at home yeah i wore it once and i was like this is too nerdy this is way too nerdy i like i could wear this at like a conference like where it's a bunch of nerds walking around trying to show how nerdy they are. Like I could see it being a good fit for like a conference shirt or something like that. But like, I'm not going to walk around the streets of Austin wearing that on a day-to-day basis. And it's like kind of my joke. (laughs) Yep. I wouldn't even wear it to a conference. I don't like, I like wearing, you know, normal clothes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm saying I was, I'm mainly just saying that like, if I were to wear it somewhere, I think it would make the most sense to wear it to a conference yeah yeah we could do that i could start talking to people try to get that moving forward because that'd be fun we should do that with all our podcasts i think but especially this one we have a new podcast i was supposed to mention it so i'm going to mention it okay do your plug well it's cool it's called the lila and brenda show lila it's lila winner mm-hmm. brenda store i think mm-hmm. that's how you say your last name i never said that out loud i've only seen it in text how else would you pronounce that? I don't know. So I'll put a link to that in the show notes. They have one episode out right now. I'm expecting that to be a good one, full of really good content. And you can tell because they didn't spend too much time trying to come up with a title. Yeah. They had such important things to say. They're like, screw it. We'll just call it the Lila and Brenda show and then talk about things. Whereas we spent four weeks collaborating on what to call the show <laughs> and then had no idea what we were going to talk about for 10 right. weeks. Right. I can't find the link right now. It's uh, Lila and Brenda.fm. There you go. Oh, no, this we'll, is we'll put a link in the, in the notes. Yeah. Lila and Brenda.fm. Oh, they have two episodes. That's cool. Look at that. There you go. Man, they have some good links here. I need to listen to this. I have so many freaking podcasts. I just signed up for two more. There's a baseball podcast that my brother has been listening to that he turned me on to. It's from The Ringer. Is that what it's called? Is that a show? No, it's a website. It's like a sports news website. It is. Yeah, the Ringer MLB show. It's like Bill Simmons, a bunch of other people talking about baseball. I haven't listened to any episodes yet, but my brother said it's great. So, but I have like, ah, man, I don't even know how many hours of podcasts I have. I had to switch to listening to them and sped up faster than normal time, which I don't normally do. Try to get through them. Anyway, what's going on? Nothing. What do you want to talk about? Kind of just crunching on a lot of things right now. Mm-hmm. Stack views are hard. 
Yeah. Stack fees go back and forth between being very easy and very, very hard. Yeah, I haven't interacted with... I keep forgetting that they're there for the most part. And when I do interact with them, I get very confused. Like, it's almost certainly just because my brain is wired for thinking about the constraints and they don't want you to think about constraints. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so like I need to kind of like rewire that part of my brain to think in stack views instead. But like I almost never recognize when I could be using a stack view. And then when I am using a stack view, I find myself having to think about it harder than I actually want. Well, the answer there is always. And now I have to think about when am I going to use constraints? Right. But that's what I'm saying is like, I'm not, like I still look at things and I go, okay, constraints, I get it. I'm thinking now that there's definitely a thing that I built in the last, actually the, um, I just, I was talking about it with Jack, but the page view controller thing that I built, the image carousel, that could have been a stack view with the page view controller on the top and the page control on the bottom. Mm-hmm. Yep. But I didn't do that. Yep. <laughs> totally. I generated actual constraints and like pinned it to the top and, you know. But I finally used layout anchors. <laughs> it's about time. But <laughs> so, you don't do things in code, though, right? No, not typically. So those don't matter. Well, it lended itself. I did that in code. It lended itself well. That thing lended itself well to being written in code. So I didn't have to carry around a, uh, a nib or anything like that. But generally, I try to do things in Interface Builder when I can. Yeah, I don't know. Do you have more to say on stack views? No. I just wanted to, I was, I was hoping if I said that, then like more ideas of things to talk about would come Yeah. and then nothing happened. Here we are. Do you want me to explain my Vim setup? Yes. There I would go. love that. Okay. Cause I know you were asking about it. So I'm actually in the middle of writing a blog post. I'm like firmly in the, my typical initial stage of writing a blog post which is i have no idea what i'm writing and i hate everything that i'm writing but i need to just keep writing it stage it's a long name for a stage but it's an important one but i'm writing a blog post on this now i'll i'm not sure if this will come out before or after the blog post but so the gist is that i actually and i think i've touched on this a couple times on the show but like i'm doing more and more of my day-to-day work in vim instead of in Xcode. And I actually hit a big milestone the other day when I finally added the ability to run iOS apps in the simulator from within Vim to this Vim plugin I've been working on for like a year, I think I've been working on this Vim plugin. It's been a while. But basically, I wrote about a year ago, I started writing a Vim plugin called Xcode.Vim. At the time, it was called XcodeBuild.Vim, but then I realized it was going to be doing more than just building. So I wanted to name it differently. But so Xcode.Vim is like essentially a wrapper around Xcode build. And basically what it does is it intelligently generates Xcode build commands for you to run. You know what I mean? Like if you were going to, you could do everything that Xcode.Vim isn't doing anything that you can do yourself. It's just being smart about commands so that you just run from inside vim you run x build which is the command the build command and it figures out oh okay what project should i use what workspace what scheme what's the platform this is trying to be run on 
It figures out all that stuff. It checks to see if you have XC Pretty installed. If you do, it pipes the output through that. It allows you to customize where you're sending that command to. So by default, it just is using the bang command, which basically like flips over. If you've ever done like go into command mode and hit do like bang ls, and it like flips over to it would basically hide vim and show your terminal run ls show the output and then say press any key to continue you push a key and it flips back to vim but you can use you can customize that i call it a runner command you can customize that runner command so instead of it being like bang you can use a bunch of other plugins basically any other plugin you want that take commands so in my case i'm using a thing called vim tmux runner by my coworker in boston chris toomey that lets me basically send a command to a different tmux pane. So I have like a persistent pane along the bottom that holds the build output. And so I hit, like I have it mapped to space B in Vim. I hit space B, it runs X build. That command is sent to the little runner pane, which then runs the build command and shows me the output that's been piped through XCPretty. So I basically started there where it was able to build and then adding testing support was pretty easy after that because then I just had to change the Xcode build command to say test instead of build. And then from there, it kind of stagnated for a while until the other day. It not stagnated, but like I was using it a lot, but didn't have time to make much progress on it. But then the other day I added run, which was much more complicated because there's no Xcode build run. You know what I mean? There's no build action for it. So I had to actually write a script to handle all that. And it basically uses a combination of Xcode build, the instruments command line tool, and this tool called SimCTL, which is SimControl. I had to use these three different tools kind of together and like look at plists and, and like figure out where's Xcode dumping the app. You know what I mean? Like what's the build directory for this thing? Give me the app or the IPA or whatever. I think it builds a dot app. Give me the dot app from that thing. Figure out what its bundle identifier is. Pass that into all these other things. And like you end up being able to run. Essentially, I wrote my own little run command that then I pass a workspace or a project in a scheme and it builds and runs the app from there. Pretty kind of intense. And it's been a lot of work, but once I got that in, all of a sudden kind of the floodgates open to a certain extent, it felt like it was much more like I was able to stay in Vim for, for much, much longer many day day stuff. Does it read from a config so you can specify a device and yes. So you can use local VimRC files. So if you have a VimRC in your project, I'll put a link to the one in Argo because I added one to Argo. But in the local, if you have a .vimrc, and then you have to have like two things set up inside your main vimrc to allow it to read local vimrcs. But if you have a project-specific vimrc, you can add like config variables for what project to use, what workspace to use, what scheme to use, what simulator to default to. And then all of that stuff is also overridable at runtime. You can specify all that stuff through commands. And like the run command actually takes an argument that is the simulator name 
So you could say like X run iPhone six and it'll build and run for the iPhone six simulator. And then you can say X run iPhone six S and it'll do that for the success six plus it'll do it for the six plus. I added some autocomplete to that so that it, it knows what simulators are available on your machine, that kind of thing. It's pretty nice. So that covers a lot of like the day to day stuff gets covered there in terms of like building and running and testing and stuff. Like I can stay in Vim now most of the time. Keith Smiley in San Francisco, who's now over at Lyft, he wrote a syntax highlighting plugin called Swift.vim that's really nice and very minimal and does a really good job. So I'm using that for syntax highlighting. So I've got like Swift.vim for syntax highlighting, Xcode.vim for dealing with Xcode projects. Xcode.vim works for iOS and Mac, by the way. I need to add support for watchOS and tvOS, and I need to figure out a way to be smarter about iPhone apps versus iPad apps. I'm not sure how to do that, but it feels like it would be nice to figure that out somehow. What do you mean? Well, so one of the problems in Xcode.vim right now is we default to the iPhone 6S simulator all the time, right? It would be nice if I saw that you were building an iPad app, if I could default to an iPad simulator so you could run it in the iPad and you could set that yourself. You know what I mean? But like I'm constantly striving to remove the need for configuration. I would love for users to not have to configure anything like the ideal thing for my Xcode plugin is for you to be able to open a project, open the base repo for a project and hit build and it just works. And it does that like 90% of the time it'll get tripped up in really kind of pretty obvious situations, right? If you have multiple projects in the repo, well, how's this supposed to know, right? It's going to pick the first one because there's nothing else to do. Same thing with multiple schemes. There's multiple schemes. There's no real way for me to intuitively understand which one's the default. So it'll pick the first one it finds basically the first one that's sorted in Xcode. Same thing with workspaces, right? If it finds a workspace and multiple file, multiple projects, that's not a big deal because it'll just use the workspace, right? But those kind of things, it just doesn't know about. So I'm okay having those kind of configurations, but it would annoy me like alongside probably the TV and watch abilities, which are really just, I need to figure out, I need to do the destination flag differently. I only have two options for the destination flag. I think all I have to do is just add a more conditional cases to that, to add like the other destinations. And I'm already parsing out. I rewrote the thing that previously was just telling me, is this a simulator? Should this be run in a simulator or not? Which was my way of saying, is this an iPhone app or not? I changed that to a script that tells me what platform it is. So based on some build settings, it can tell if it's a iPhone app, a Mac app, a watch app, or a TV app. And so now that I have that information, I should just be able to like switch out the destination accordingly and have it build fine. But it would also be nicer for me to, like it would suck to have the default simulator be the iPhone success when you're clearly building a TV app. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And I can figure that out. So my point being that 
I also think that would be annoying if you're building an iPad app to hit build and have it choose an iPhone simulator when clearly you're building an iPad app. I just haven't dug out enough into the build settings to figure out how I can tell if there's an iPad. But isn't that uncommon? Like, is it even possible to make an iPad only app anymore? Isn't everything just universal? I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea. Is it not possible? It might be possible, but I feel like it's it's also rare. Yeah. How are you handling Xcode build versions? Are you assuming that you have the right tools defaulted before you run these commands? Yeah. I mean, there's not much for me to do there, right? Like Xcode build needs to be there. It's basically a dependency. And the version doesn't matter to me that much at the plugin level because the commands are the same. So I guess I, I'm referring to the whole command line tools version itself. For instance, the Xcode 8 beta has a different version because by default, it defaults to the Swift 3 toolchain. Yeah. So you have to set that with XC select. Okay. But there's a command in the Xcode Vim that wraps that up. So you just do X select and then it auto completes to right now it's anything in your application, any file. But I can probably improve that so that it auto-completes to Xcode versions that are installed in slash applications. So I can improve the autocomplete, but you can just do X select and then choose the Xcode version and it'll it uses sudo. I can't get around that, but it it'll bounce out to terminal and then ask you for your password and it'll switch the version. So you don't have to leave Vim to do that or remember the crazy syntax that you have to use. Nice. It's like sudo Xcode select dash S path, that kind of crap. Yeah. So it does that. Basically it does everything that it needs to do at this point is kind of where I'm, where I'm coming to with it. There's improvements. Like I can improve support for different platforms and I can improve stuff like, like I said, like simulator detection and I can improve the, Scheme selection, the manual scheme selection, I could improve the autocomplete there so that it shows you the schemes that are available and lets you autocomplete to the schemes that are available. I could do some of that stuff, but for the most part, I'm sure that there are cleaner ways to do some of the run stuff that I have to do. But for the most part, my plugin does basically everything that it needs to do, which is exciting. The other thing that it could do is that I could improve. Like I've been talking to Keith about this, about like the one, one thing that it doesn't do is you run the app. That's it. It just tells you that the app was launched and you don't get access to the logs. You don't get a debugger or anything. One of the things I thought would be cool is the ability to run a custom command after running Right. So once you've run the app, we have things like the simulator UUID, right? And the PID of the app that was launched and the bundle identifier of the app that was launched. We have a bunch of information about your app at that point. It would be cool to be able to pass those things on down the line into another command, right? Like, for example, you could write an LLDB plugin in theory. You could write an LLDB plugin 
that allows you to do things like set breakpoints and has like some ability to persist breakpoints over the course of the session. And if you had that, then we could, in theory, we could expose a variable that users could set to a specific command format so that we would then hand all of our information off to the LLDB plugin so that then it could connect to the proper session or like tailing the logs would be probably the default thing for that. So like when you run it, like I said, we get the SHA or not the SHA, the, the UUID of the simulator. So now we can just tail wherever the simulator logs are and now see the simulator logs in terminal. So there's huge opportunities for working with other plugins to do bigger and better and cooler things, mm-hmm. you know? I feel like the big one there is code completion, which hasn't quite been cracked. So code completion, I think, is out of scope for my plugin. Yeah, but I, any user coming to this and going, okay, I want to replace Xcode with this, will obviously be missing that. Yes. So there actually is a solution that I didn't even... I found yesterday. My coworker, Jake, in San Francisco showed me. I think it was Jake. Anyway, there is a plugin called Swift Autocomplete that works in, it's a Vim plugin, and it sits on top of SourceKitten, written by Realm and JPE Samard. And SourceKitten is a wrapper for SourceKit, right? So so this is basically, SourceKitten lets you interact with SourceKit. Swift Autocomplete lets you interact with SourceKit through SourceKitten to do autocomplete, right? So it basically should be able to give you the same autocomplete functionality that you have in Xcode anywhere, right? In this case, in Vim, which is really cool. There's another project called SourceKitten Daemon. Daemon. I don't know how to say that. D-A-E-M-O-N. I never know. I always go back and forth. I always go back and forth between Daemon and Daemon. Anyway, SourceKitten Daemon, SourceKitten Daemon, either one. That's a thing that you can run right so you install source kit the daemon and you can run it and it will parse your project and run keep source kit running against your whole project and then this autocomplete plugin can connect to that daemon so that it'll be able to do the full autocompletion that you need the only problem is that source kitten daemon doesn't handle workspaces right now which is a problem and I'm unclear on how active that development is going, but I feel like it's like one of those things where we're so close to having like a reasonable solution there. I feel like if there's a little more interest, all it'll take is a little more interest to fill these last couple of holes. And we're a small push away from being able to move to Vim for basically everything except for interface builder and core data which I am totally okay with, right? I'm totally fine bouncing back over to Xcode to do those kinds of things if I can stay in Vim 90% of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we need to find all the XVim users who have work machines on which they can't disable system integrity protection. These are the yeah, people who that's, will care. Yeah. Right, that's, that's, yeah. That's my whole problem. Right, losing that feels huge, Right. And the solution, you know, I have nothing but 
gratitude to that main dude behind XVM and all the people that have contributed to XVM. Nothing but grat because that that was a hell of a plugin, right? But the accepted answer of like, oh, we'll just strip code signing from Xcode and you'll be fine. That is not <laughs> that's not a reasonable solution to me at all, right? It needs to either work with Xcode or people need to give up on it as horrible as that is, right? To kind of like have that thing die that way. I don't think it makes sense for people to keep pouring effort into it. Yeah. It would be really nice if Apple took it under their wing. One of those features that that's default in Xcode 8 has references to some plugin. Which one was that? Where I I think they basically took what the plugin was doing and just folded it into Xcode. Oh and yeah, Xcode's which not one perfect, was perfect, but uh it would be something. Or even if they could just get an exception from Apple, just to be signed and yeah. work like it used to work. Mm -hmm. You could give up a lot of other plugins, but this one's pretty critical. I could see a future where you get parts of XVim into Xcode itself, right? Like basic key binding support, right? Like movement keys. I could see that. But that's not all there is to it, right? It's the command mode is huge. Like it's not just about the mode, the normal and insert mode flipping between those and being able to use the keys. So my problem with XVim is that it was great and allowed me to work in Xcode the way I wanted to work, except that it was almost a constant frustration for me to like find a plugin that added cool feature X in Vim and then not be able to use that in Xcode. And it's like the extensibility of Vim so far outpaces the extensibility of Xcode that there is no way it's going to catch up. Right. Mm -hmm. And it seems like a more sane response to me to, and I'm biased obviously, but it seems like a more sane response to go the other direction to say, okay, you know what? Xcode isn't perfect for me. And instead of trying to force Xcode to be something that it isn't, which is Vim, I can instead add capabilities to Vim to let it behave like Xcode to a certain extent. You know what I mean? Yeah. My concern there is that Xcode is changing faster than Vim is. And totally, it's going to make more work for you than it would be to just keep something sort of functioning like Vim and Xcode. But like what in the editor side of things... What am I missing? Oh, nothing. Right. Nothing. But to make it so that you can stay. Yeah. There's like swift literals, right? The color literals and image literals. But I could write those. Like, I don't care about having the shiny picture, right? It doesn't matter to me. I can just write those. Those are just plain text that gets rendered differently inside Xcode. It's been a constant battle with XVM. Right. XVim and Xcode, it's been a constant fight, right? Every single time a new Xcode version was released, you'd have to go and update all of your plugins to hack them to be able to work inside Xcode. Like the writing's been on the wall here for a while. And maybe we'll get to the point where you can have like a full featured Vim emulator inside Xcode, but it's not going to be for a few years. 
And in the meantime, I'd rather just have a more consistent development environment where I can just work here. This is how I work. I work in Vim inside Tmux, and that's how I work. And when I need to bounce over to Xcode, I can bounce over to Xcode, but it doesn't matter what project I'm working on. If I'm working in Elixir or Haskell or Swift, because even inside Swift, right? It's like, I would love nothing more than to get rid of the Xcode projects in Argo and Runes and all these open source projects that I'm involved in. I would love that. That would make me so happy. There's such a pain to maintain, right? The second I can reasonably move those over to Swift Package Manager completely and get rid of the Xcode project, I'm going to do that. And then at that point, what am I going to use to edit those files? Definitely not going to use Xcode. Like that wouldn't make sense. I would use Vim to edit those files, right? And so now I have a disparity between my Swift packages and my iOS apps. That doesn't make sense. So other people that want to contribute, would they just be using Swift Package Manager to build themselves an Xcode project? Sure. I don't see why not. All right. Fair enough. And I think that tools like... Carthage could still work because you could just generate, it could sit on top of Xcode, the package manager. And if there's a project, if there's no project, but there's a package file, generate the project and then build it. You know what I mean? Yep. Like that seems reasonable. That whole thing, that whole using Swift package manager, just, it means that like the frustrating thing right now is lock-in, right? It's unreasonably difficult to not work in Xcode, right? Because of all the things that are or have been missing from like the tooling or have been a pain to set up. Like you could always, there's nothing that like my plugin is doing that you couldn't do yourself for the past five years. You could run all of these commands yourself. The point is that like no one wanted to set up specific scripts to run all these things every single time. Like it's just not, for every project and then you know i bounce over to your project and your project doesn't have it like that's just annoying i can bounce over to your project today and be in vim no setup on your part right you wouldn't even know like you wouldn't even know that i was working in vim there's nothing that would tell you that i'm working in vim and that's the way it should be like it shouldn't matter what you're using to edit source code files who cares but there's so much overhead with Xcode projects that it's unreasonably difficult to not work in Xcode. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can't think of anything else that requires a certain app to modify source files. Right. No, I mean, it all makes a lot of sense. I just think it's going to be difficult. I obviously want it because there's a very real possibility that in two months I'm screwed. So what else do you feel like you need? So you have syntax highlighting. You have... I need the code completion to work in a workspace. Right. But that's available, right? It's right there. The second source kitten demon can deal with it, which I just feel like someone hacked it together and then hasn't gone back to it. If we can generate interest in source kitten demon and someone can go add workspace support, bang, you get that. There's other things you can do to like, I've been working for a very long time without code completion. And it actually shockingly isn't nearly as bad as it seems like it would be. It's pain points, right? Dealing with like table view delegate stuff that sucks to type out. 
And a lot of times I end up like finding it somewhere else. But like Vim has pretty good auto completion on its own, right? Where you can say, you know, I open 10 files. Well, it has all of those files in memory. And if I try typing any word in any of those files and autocomplete, it will find those words, right? So inside open buffers, done. You can set up C tags to work okay with Swift, like not perfectly, but like okay. And that helps a lot, right? For navigating, like jumping to definitions and stuff becomes available. And then that also improves your autocomplete because now you have a list of basically all the words and all the symbols used in your entire project. So the only thing that is missing then is like the completion for Cocoa stuff. You know what I mean? Like I said, table view delegate, right? Those methods, that kind of thing. But we're like so close. We're so, we're so dang close to that. So it's like, okay, that works. The only remaining pain point that I can see is that you still have to go and add stuff to the Xcode project file because Xcode doesn't know jack about your file system, which is incredibly frustrating. But even that, even that is like a reasonable thing to do. Right. There is a reasonable solution to that. It doesn't exist yet, but we have all the pieces to make it exist. Basically, what we would need is some kind of command line tool that you can say like Xcode add, right? Xcode add, and then you pass it a file and then like a path to a file and then a path to a, let's say path to a file, path to the group inside the Xcode project and a target, right? And realistically, you could probably, if you're not given a path to a f- group, you could assume that it's the same as the path to the file. You know what I mean? Like there's a tool there that is available. It's probably going to be written in Ruby, <laughs> but but I'll take that for now. But it's right there, right? Like we have the pieces. We can use Xcode or uh, Xcproj to back that thing. That's not a big deal, right? It just takes, like I said, we just need that little push to move us forward and to get us over this little last hump. Then there's like nothing left. Then it's just these improvements like, oh, let's make the debugging experience better. Oh, let's make tailing logs easier. Oh, let's, I see, I can't even, I'm at like, I can't even think of things, right? Like improving the syntax highlighting, right? There are so few people using these things right now that it's hard to make progress on them. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I've been using my Xcode plugin for the better part of the past year, but it's been me by myself for most of that. Every now and then someone pops in and they try and they're like, oh, that's cool. And then they bounce out. I'm finally getting people to like stick around for a little bit, try it a little bit more. Hey, this doesn't work in this specific thing. And then I can say like, oh, that's, interesting here's where that stuff's set up here's what i'm doing maybe we can fix it by x y or z you know what i mean like these things aren't going to take off on their own they need people to be using them in order to get better and i feel like with xvim going away like we're close we should be close to that like there should be enough people there are clearly a bunch of people out there that want to be working in vim because xvim is in- incredibly popular right so there are a bunch of people out there that want to be using Vim. There are a bunch of us trying to give that to people. Here's a way you can be working in Vim. 
we just need those two groups. We need to get people over from XVim to start looking at our thing. Are you going to blog about it on the Thoughtbot blog? Mm-hmm. Okay. Then I feel like you have a pretty good shot at getting some right awareness going. Yeah. I'm going to go through kind of like everything that I talked about, right? So Swift.Vim, Xcode.Vim, Swift Autocomplete, how to set up C tags, which is really simple. The frustrating thing is that like C tags is bundled. So C tags, if you don't know, C tags is a way to generate a list of symbols from a source code file. It's basically it, right? So this thing was defined here, right? And you can just jump to that definition. And Keith Smiley actually wrote a pretty good Swift regex for C tags. So you take that. The frustrating thing is that like this, <laughs> C tags hasn't changed in a very long time, but the version on Homebrew is still newer than the version bundled with Xcode. Like the version bundled with Xcode is ancient. It doesn't even have access. Like the version on Homebrew has support for Objective C, and the version in Xcode doesn't. What the hell? That doesn't make any sense to me. So, like, you need to install a different version of C tags. But then from there, like, once you have those two things, a version of C tags that works and a small config thing, it's, like, not a big deal. You just run C tags, and then Vim just picks that stuff up by default. Vim just knows it's there, and it finds it. So I'm going to go through that. I'm going to talk about what available opportunities there are, which are basically the things that I've said here, right? Like, improvements to these existing things and a couple new things that could be built. That's basically it. Just try to get the word out. Nice. So if that post is published before this comes out two weeks from now, which I'm not sure that it will be, but if it is, I'll add the link in the show notes. If it isn't, I'll add it later, I guess. Awesome. <laughs> I actually am very excited. I think I'm just overwhelmed at the moment because I don't have the time to actually invest in this and move over to it because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I, I need more stability at the present moment. But you could, you could, in theory, you could install like Xcode.vim and Swift.vim and at least just play around with those two. Like, not yeah. move over full time, but just like, I'd be super interested in you popping open your projects and seeing how they work out of the box. Like, just don't do any config. Just like install Xcode.vim and like see if the build command runs, see if the run command runs, see if the test command runs, you know? Okay. Okay. Just see how that works. Because if it works, then that's awesome. But if it doesn't work, then hey, there's another edge case that I can try to smooth over. You know? Yep. Yep. Did you know this is episode 100? Oh, shit. I, I did know that. And then that. I forgot. Well, that's cool. I hope it sounds good. I think it does. Okay. You want to wrap it up, though? Cool. Show notes for this episode are going to be found at buildphase.fm slash 100. And as always, we'd like to hear from you. So email us at hosts at buildphase.fm or reach out on Twitter at buildphase. And we really appreciate ratings and reviews on iTunes. All right. I'll talk to you later. Okay. Later. (laughs) See you.